So tonight I wanted to talk about compassion. And this is what has been um, really close in my own experience in the last week. It's something that's been close both in moments of non-compassion and seeing what happens at those times where there's fragmentation, separation, standing apart from pain, and seeing what happens as there's the capacity to touch into deep suffering. On some level, it seems odd to say it, but it's something that there's been a taste of. And that has been something of the joy of compassion, the freedom that is found when one has that capacity to touch into the deepest sorrow. I I find when I go to speak about compassion that words are lacking. Anytime we speak about suffering, words seem incapable of conveying the truth of it. It's not a lightweight subject to speak of suffering as we come to know it in our own experience. When we look around at the world, when we hear the cries of the world, and we have an open heart, we know of the immensity of it. And it's something that, to bring in the intellectual mind, can deaden can distance, can can be a way in which we fragment. But when we can let the heart rest with no words, no blame, and simply open, open where we may have in the past had resistance to, we discover a deep connection with all life. So, compassion, what is it? Classically, it's described as the quivering or trembling of the heart in response to suffering. It's a natural responsiveness of the open heart when it touches pain. When the quality of compassion is present, the heart is not broken by this pain. We don't find grief despair. And yet we know fully of the pain. Sometimes it's a little frightening to think of. 
No, it's easier to aspire to wisdom that can know things just as they are and find freedom. But if that wisdom isn't connected, isn't engaged, it's only intellectual. And so it needs compassion. It needs this responsiveness of the heart, this openness of the heart. I find that I really resonate with the sense of a natural responsiveness that trembles in the face of suffering. It's something that we all touch into in moments where we are engaged, we are present, we are not afraid. It allows us, it is what allows us to connect both deeply and tenderly with life, where we can put down our judging mind, where we can put down a sense of separation. We find this compassion arising in our practice in moments where there's a deep rage, And rather than moving into judging that rage, uh, rather than moving into um, getting caught up in the story of that rage, we can just have a sense of, ouch, that hurts. This is suffering. We feel it and we don't take it personally. But we're totally connected to that rage. Sometimes we find compassion when we find ourselves getting caught up in the same old patterns over and over again. And rather than put ourselves down, rather than being hard on ourselves, we allow ourselves to feel the suffering. We can also have moments of compassion when You know, we've watched the mind jump, become attached at something. You know, it might be really something trivial. Um, You know, we might have a moment of seeing greed as we walk through the lunch line. And in that moment of seeing that wanting, seeing that greed, rather than, again, condemning ourselves, we let ourselves feel that pain. We don't say, we shouldn't be feeling this, but we're able to open to what is. Sometimes in our practice, we might experience compassion when we see someone else struggling. And maybe in their struggle, they become careless. 
Maybe they walk past us briskly and actually push us. But rather than judging them, we let ourselves touch into a sense of empathy and feel what it might be like to be them in that moment, to feel their distress. And our hearts open, stay connected. I remember one time in practice when I was sitting and I just had the sense that so many aspects of experience were just screaming out. And what I noticed was that just in bringing a caring attention to whatever was arising, that scream was pacified. You know, and I began to have this sense as if I was mother of 10,000 things. And all of these 10,000 things only needed a moment of awareness. There's a short poem from Ryokan, who was a Zen monk who lived in the 18th century. And he said, Oh, that my priest's robes were wide enough to gather up all the suffering people in this floating world. When we're in touch with compassion, you know, it's as if there is an immensity of the heart that wants to hold, wants to be of service, wants to help alleviate the suffering. Compassion has within it a quality of fearlessness because it is not daunted by the immensity of suffering. And it's where there's a willingness and courageousness of heart to step outside of a self-referencing viewpoint that is always trying to protect, keep one's safe, to keep oneself safe, and what, in doing so, keeps oneself confined. But this quality of fearlessness helps to pull us into action in the face of suffering. We become motivated by this desire to alleviate suffering. Now, I've seen many times in my own life where somebody might be pulled out of the self-referencing framework that is trying to keep oneself safe, keeping oneself on this island where one cannot be touched by danger, and is just that readiness of the heart to move. You know, one time um, I was walking up, across Gaston Pond, which if you've ever walked the loop, it's the bigger of the ponds. It's Gaston Pond. And this time I was walking across it in winter. And I was walking across it with two friends. One friend, you know, has grown or spent a lot of time in this part of the country, um, quite comfortable walking across ice. And the other friend was from Australia and was very new to the concept of ice. 
you know, what ice is. And, you know, me and the other friend were trying to reassure her that it was safe to walk across this ice. It had been cold for a long time. The ice was quite solid. Um, We both felt quite confident in walking across this ice. But my friend, being from Australia, you know, this ice would periodically make cracks and moans, and you know, it's ice shifts, and and you know, for her that was terrifying. So she walked in the middle, and my other friend walked on the other side, and I was on the other side of her. So we were walking along, kind of helping her along. And just as we had got to the other side of the pond, I suddenly fell through. What was so interesting to me in that moment, when I wasn't with my own fear, (laughs) but the friend that had been terrified walking across the ice suddenly thrust out her arm to save me. No, fortunately, I only went into up to my hip, so you know, danger was not that great. But that wasn't what that friend knew in that moment. What that friend did in that moment was just, you know, what can happen when we naturally see suffering and want to respond. It's a natural movement of the heart. It's a responsiveness. Actually. A couple of weeks ago, when I was at a retreat, you know, I was at this retreat that was um, a retreat where scientists had been invited to come and speak to some aspects of meditation. A couple of these scientists were talking about uh, some of the testing they were doing on people who did a lot of practice, in particular monks who had engaged a lot in their life in practice. And one of the results that they came up with was seeing that when these people were in a state of compassion, highlighted in the brain was the same part of the brain that is the part of the brain that is connected to intention. So seeing that when a person was really connected with this sense of compassion, even though that sense of compassion was not in a place of movement, the brain at that time was activated in a way that could respond. And this was proven scientifically. So, you know, it's, it, it really just shows what we come to know in our own experience. But it was very interesting to me to hear this. You know, just kind of confirming something that one gets a sense of. This is a teaching from Nyanaponika Tara, who was a German-born Theravadan monk. And often, the way he expresses things really speaks to my own heart. He said, The world suffers, but most people have their eyes and ears closed. They do not see the unbroken stream of tears flowing through life. They do not hear the cry of distress continually pervading the world. Their own grief or joy bars their sights, deafens their ears. Bound by selfishness, their hearts turn stiff and narrow. Being stiff and narrow, 
how should they be able to survive for any higher goal, to realize that only relief from selfish craving will affect their own freedom from suffering. It is compassion that removes the heavy bar, opens the door to freedom, makes the narrow heart as wide as the world. Compassion takes away from the heart the inert weight, the paralyzing heaviness. It gives wings to those who cling to the lowlands of self. So compassion, making the narrow heart as wide as the world, taking away from the heart the inert weight, the paralyzing heaviness, giving wings to those who cling to the lowlands of self. Through our practice, we connect with deeper levels of suffering. And without compassion, we cannot possibly open to this. But when we bring in compassion, or when compassion is present, it helps to bring us to a place of interconnectedness in the depths of pain. Through our practice, sometimes we may have a sense of the heart being numb, cold, distant, severed. How can we possibly touch into the pain of the contracted heart if we do not soften, if we do not find tenderness, if we don't find a way to stay in connection in these places. Compassion is supported by the understanding of our interconnectedness. The understanding that we do not stand alone. The understanding that all beings suffer in the same way when caught in delusion, ignorance. In the last period of time when I've been exploring something of compassion, and it wasn't like thinking, oh, I think I'll look at compassion now. You know, it's one of life's lessons that just is coming. But in seeing where there has been resistance, there has been some sense of pushing away of suffering, feeling that contraction 
that stepping into separation and then feeling the tenderness, the softening, the stepping into connection that happens when compassion is there. It's highlighted for me something about becoming whole, something about how, you know, sometimes we can practice in a way where it's if we're trying to keep the mind elevated in this rarefied state, you know, which we could be through deepening concentration, where we're, the hindrances are naturally abated, where it's um, can sometimes be done through a wisdom of relinquishing temporarily that which hinder or obscures the mind, but where it's becoming a preference. And in doing so, there's an effort or energy that's needed to keep oneself within that sense of elevation. And it becomes tiring and really not possible. And then a sense of what happens when the bottom drops out. And rather than running away, one touches what one didn't want to touch. One moves into connection with that pain. And how, in doing so, wisdom can dawn. Wisdom that comes through being able to bear witness to the pain, the struggle, but is not through disconnection, disembodying. It allows the totality of life's experience to be touched. In some of the experiments that are being done around um, compassion, another interesting finding was that this was, this was something that was shown in doing a test on someone, a Westerner, who had been um, you know, meditating for many years. And he was shown a movie that has been shown to people for the last 30 years in highlighting something of people's emotional response in the face of suffering. And one thing that they discovered in touching, in testing this monk was that he, in, uh, he showed physiological signs that showed a deeper state of relaxation when he was exposed to these, you know, sometimes um, very painful scenarios through a movie, he showed a deeper state of relaxation than when he was just in a resting state. And to me this points to what happens when the mind is connected, fully connected, in touch with interconnectedness. That within that there is a relaxation that happens. And then it also makes sense that out of that, there comes fearlessness. 
that out of that one can have empathy, that out of that there is this natural responsiveness because it comes from being fully connected. Albert Einstein once said, a human being is a part of the whole called by us the universe, a part limited in time and space. One experiences themselves, their thoughts and feelings as something separated from the rest, a kind of optical illusion of one's consciousness. This delusion is a kind of prison for us, restricting us to our personal desires and to affection for a few persons nearest to us. Our task must be to free ourselves from this prison by widening our circle of compassion to embrace all living creatures and the whole of nature in its beauty. Compassion really helps us to move from a self-referencing framework to living away in a way that is all-inclusive, where our hearts are as wide as the world. Through compassion, we can let go of the delusion of a small, separate self. And this is where you know, we really find that there is a unity between wisdom, the clear seeing of the way things are, a clear seeing of the interconnectedness, and the heart's response to seeing beings that are caught in delusion of there being a small, separate self. In order to have a healthy approach to compassion, because compassion is often mistaken. You know that many times we may experience pity, grief, despair, and mistake it for compassion. And that happens when there's a distancing, a sense of separation. We can see this easily with pity when we actually have pity for someone, there, you know, it's like seeing somebody else in their pain, rather than a sense of seeing pain and wanting to alleviate that pain. You know, where there isn't an I and a me, or where there isn't you and me, there's just this sense of here's suffering. What can be done to alleviate it. But when there's pity, it's like, oh, poor you. You know, that, it's, that, that pity is belonging 
the pain is belonging to someone else. Or sometimes when we come in contact with pain and we can't, we, it hits fear in ourselves, there's a distancing that happens. And, you know, it may bring up despair, grief, but there's a separation. And this is not true compassion. Compassion is that place of connection. But it's really helpful because compassion is so closely related to suffering to remember that as we practice, we are touching into this pain to come to understand it, to come to know it, so that we can be free of it. Because sometimes, you know, it can happen that um, we forget why it is we're touching into pain. We get lost in the pain itself. We we can almost seem like in our practice we're creating pain. You know, that I remember that happening when I first started practicing. And, you know, just I thought I was a reasonably happy person. And then when I started seeing something of the suffering in my own mind, I, I thought it was the practice that was wrong. And then, you know, it was only when there was an understanding that, oh, there's something happening in my own mind that, that is creating this pain. And this is a place where there's actually a sense of being caught and that, that, yes, I did want to understand it. Then my whole relationship to it shifted. And so, you know, it's like when we sit and we experience pain, to look at how we're relating to that. Sometimes in that suffering, we may find that we're actually getting pretty comfortable. That, you know, the story of my pain... Oh, it's so woeful. It's so, it's so painful. Oh, and look at poor me, how I struggle with this. And, you know, we may, it may, we may be crying in the midst of it, and they may be very real t- tears, but it also may be a place we've come to be comfortable. Because we know it better than we know the unknown. We know it better than what happens when we stand unguarded. And so, you know, it really calls upon us to look into how we're relating to our suffering. In our practice, we naturally hit places of fear. We hit edges. 
we hit unknown territory. These are places where we need to have compassion. We need to find a way to access compassion. In our lives, when we meet people whom are in a lot of pain, how do we touch into their pain, their suffering, with this openness of heart? It's not always so easy to do because we have habits that keep us in separation with a false sense of security. And so it's needing to look in these moments where we're at an edge of fear, where we're in a place of suffering, to what will help us to stay connected? What will help the heart to remain engaged? How can we touch into this experience? In my own experience, in times of fear, in times of anxiety, in times of total torment, It has at times been to, rather than move straight into that pain, to step back and to know that this is suffering. You know, there's a phrase from the teachings of the Buddha that has come to me many times when there's been strong pain. And it was the phrase, mass of suffering. And just by stepping back and touching recognizing this as a mass of suffering, it helped to depersonalize it. Because it is when we move into this constriction of self that it becomes so painful. I remember once in a retreat where I had been you know, just feeling something of the immensity of suffering and, you know, doing my best to open to it and, you know, feeling like, whoa, this is too much, there's so much suffering. And then having a teacher point out to me that it's only too much when there's a self that needs to hold it. But if we can, in those moments, touch into the selfless nature of this and hold it within the breadth of wisdom that is still engaged, is still knowing there is no self to be broken by it. Sometimes we will have an immensity of heart when we touch into fear, when we touch an edge, when we are in the unknown and uncertain. Sometimes it will just be a thread of tenderness, a thread of softening, just the possibility of being able to be present, which may come in through just that 
tinge of mindfulness where before we had no mindfulness, before we had no capacity to even know what the experience was there. We were simply too overwhelmed. And so for a moment, we touch it. And that may be all we can do in that moment. And the compassion is that we let that be enough. That we don't demand more of ourselves in that moment. Our agenda, our shoulds, our expectations, our wantings, they are so brutal. They stop us. It's where, you know, they are so lacerating. And our compassion helps us to feel the pain of this. To feel the pain and to not expect it to be different. We really have to begin right where we are with whatever capacity we have in this moment. Compassion is not some ideal. It's something that's tangible right now when there is this connection with what is. We find that compassion really naturally grows out of our practice. I remember you know, back in this time of earlier days of practice when I believed I was a reasonably kind person, I believed that, you know, life was pretty okay. I believed that the pain and the suffering in the world was due to people who were cruel, people who were in some way lesser. There was, a, there was a spiritual pride and arrogance. And then through sitting day after day with this mind on the cushion, walking, sitting, walking, just seeing what was arising, I really saw within my own mind the seeds of hatred, the seeds of violence, violence. I saw how what I was separating off from in my own experience, what I didn't have the capacity or the understanding as being um, necessity to open to, that these unclaimed or untouched Fragments of anger, fragments of self-hatred or hatred, uh, these, these moments of judgment that I just tried to get away with, to, to push away. But really within each of those 
was a potential that could, a seed, a potential that could ripen into really unwholesome action and cause pain and suffering. And so I saw within my own mind the seeds of war, the seeds of violence. And I found it deeply humbling. I found that from that, there was just the possibility of a growing sense of compassion. As I learned to bear witness to the pain that I experienced. And to know that it was not something that it was unique to me. When I look at the quality of compassion, I get a sense of the capacity to hold. And sometimes in my own life, at times when I'm in pain, the capacity to hold myself has been challenged. You know, that where it feels hard. And at those times, I've really found it helpful to go out into nature, to let nature hold me. I find this reflected in a poem by Wendell Berry called The Peace of Wild Things. When despair for the world grows in me and I wake in the night at the least sound, in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethoughts of grief. I come into the presence of still water, and I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting with their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world and am free. One of the things I have found in practicing here at the Forest Refuge is that this sense of nature, this place itself, being able to hold the pain, the sense of being held. And this is really what happens when we can relax with that unbinding of the heart. this sense of being held by no one, no thing, but just the way things are when we aren't in struggle, when we aren't sitting separately. In our practice, we experience over and over again moments of opening, moments of closing. 
moments when there's this vast spaciousness that can hold it all, moments of contraction, tightness, fear. The quality of compassion has within it the quality of patience, quality of forgiveness. This is what gives it strength because it's not demanding. It's not asking for things to be different. It allows us to pick ourselves up over and over again as we fall over, as we lose our way and simply come back. It's said that um, Thich Nhat Hanh, he said it very beautifully. He said, compassion is a verb. And, you know, sometimes in the expression of compassion, it will move us really actively in our, our lives, engaged in the outward alleviation of suffering, which of course must be balanced with wisdom, or we will move into what's called idiot compassion where there's a futility in trying to get rid of suffering. But true compassion has the wisdom that comes from understanding. And so we do what we can to alleviate suffering, but it's not done through the way of perpetuating, through futility, through um, (sighs) trying to do the impossible because there's an understanding of the way things are. Sometimes it will be this act of expression where we will do, you know, be engaged in compassionate action out in the world, whether it's to feed the hungry, whether it's to actively um, speak out against violence. Uh, And sometimes it's really expressed through that sense of bearing witness, of letting, you know, letting the pain of the world be felt, letting the pain in our own experience be touched. And that compassionate action in our practice is what pulls us to be here to come to a greater depth of understanding. Compassion is a very strong, motivating energy. And I just today was reading about a a teaching from Patro Rinpoche, who who wrote, uh, or um, his teachings are expressed in the the words of my perfect teacher, this book. Uh, He lived in the 1800s, and he shunned high monastic office and instead lived the life of a homeless wanderer. And in his teachings on compassion, he used to me what was a very powerful image. He said that, picture a mother who has no arms, whose child is being swept away by a river, and that there is an unbearable anguish, a love that is so intense But this mother has no arms to do anything. 
And she asks herself, what can I do now? It's the same in our lives. There is an immensity to suffering, a suffering that the world gets swept along with. And when we, through our practice, open to this pain, open to this suffering, we can at times have this sense of being unable to do anything. And yet, if we really look, if we really open our eyes, if we really stay connected, we will touch into the realization of the mind that sees into the empty nature of all life. if we understand through the very work that we are doing here that it has this capacity to teach us, to teach us deeply, we will learn not to shy away from our pain, but to come close, to be intimate, to stay connected, So compassion, as we practice, it can be the bedrock of our practice. Having this tenderness, softness, this quality of heart that has an interest, engagement with that which is painful, that which is constricted, This is what will give buoyancy to the mind. This is what brings juice to our practice. This is what keeps us engaged in our practice. And compassion becomes the natural expression of our deepest wisdom. Let's just sit for a moment. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.